The Marlins walk it off in crazy fashion. They now have the third best record in the National League. 2023 for the Marlins. It feels like destiny. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on Twitter, guys. Still on there, still on Twitter, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you listen to the pod, of course, hit subscribe, leave a review. This, of course, is your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. This is a UK-friendly record time. Sun is up. Solo pod. There is a YouTube channel, though, guys, so I strongly recommend you head over to there. Hit subscribe there. Also, we are trending, trending both in viewers, in subscribers. If you aren't there now, you're missing out. Head on over there. Hit subscribe. You'll get the graphics. You'll get a new, a new shade of Jim Shark hoodie. What do you think? Looking pretty sexy, right? Um, guys, before we get into last night's game, which was a wild, wild one, wild thoughts with that one. Um, it's time to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Sleeper. And you can swing for the fences on sleeper picks, and you can win up to 100x of your money. Yes, sir, 100 times. Download the sleeper app and use the promo code locked on, and you'll get up to a hundred bucks match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out sleeper today. All right, guys, what a wild one! These are the games that are super frustrating for me. Why? Because I don't get to watch it live. I was snoozing. I then watch it on delay, and I miss all of the Marlins Twitter shenanigans. I still celebrate in the same way, going bananas when that play comes in. The Marlins find a way to win. Jordan Hicks with a big assist. But yesterday, last night, you know, it's one of the... Main pain points to me as a UK fan. I can't watch every game live. It's just too late. Too late when I've got to be up on the school run with the kids. Uh, but what a dub. The Marlins looked like they had it all under control. I mean, listen, they started hot. I watched the first couple of innings. It was 5 nil. Thought they're cruising here. Next thing is, bang, 5-5. Five, five. Then they get a run, 6-5. Then I go to sleep. I was like, that's it. I'm calling it. I've got a good feeling about the Marlins. They're playing well. We're into the cards bullpen. I think they're going to win this one at a canter. Didn't quite go that way. The Cards and their offense, as we've seen all series long, the Cardinals' offense is not their problem. They are a they're a really good hitting uh, lineup, to be honest with you. Up and down the lineup, there's there's questions, there's there's tricky spots, and the meat of that order, obviously, with um, you know Goldie in there, Arenado in there, Jordan Walker. Yesterday, we'll talk about him in a sec. You know, there's a lot of dangerous guys in that Cardinals order. They just uh, are struggling with pitching. They've struggled all year long, and that showed up again. They just can't restrict the runs. They can't limit the runs. But boy, oh boy, what a way. I mean, listen, I thought the Marlins had it. They were down two outs. A.J. Puck going against Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker in this series has done nothing. Absolutely nothing. Cardinals Twitter telling me last week when I mentioned Jordan Walker in terms of like, you know, one of the potential sticks. Cardinals telling me he's a... 
You know, they wouldn't do one for one Jordan Walker for Uri Perez. It's like, are they insane? They obviously haven't seen Uri Perez. Um, they're about to. They're about to in this evening's game. So looking forward to that one. But Jordan Walker is first hit of the series, and it was destroyed. Absolutely demolished. The exit velo, the distance, everything was just immense. But to the eye, it was just like a scud missile. It just kept rising, though. Amazing power from Jordan Walker. I haven't seen a cleaner ball hit all year. I think it was like 98 inside part of the plate. Maybe got a touch too much of the plate for AJ Park. But boy, oh boy, Jordan Walker destroyed that one. The Cardinals take a one-run lead in there. So a blowy from Puck. Not good. Um, then over to Jordan Hicks. What can he do? What can this Marlins offense do? We spoke about it on yesterday's episode with Sean. This offense, it is, it's not a power offense. Hasn't been a power offense all year. It's a paper cut offense. It's a contact offense. It's balls in play, baby. And when the balls are in play, and we've seen it all year long, when the balls are in play, things happen. Particularly in these latter innings, when the heat is on, you know, the heart rate's ticking a little bit higher, a little bit faster than normal. Balls in play, head down, run, see what happens. And we have to go back, though, a step before that actual play itself. Because you end up with uh, Brian De La Cruz at second base, Skip Schumacher, then pinch runs Garrett Hampson for Brian De La Cruz. So, so De La Cruz had walked. You then get Guriel with a single through, uh, through the infield. Two on. One out. It's the situation. Pinch runner in. So Hampson in. Speed was on. Wendell with two strikes down as well. The really interesting part of this play was the fact that irrespective of what happened with Joey Wendell and this play, and we'll talk about that in a sec, but Garrett Hampson was going anyway. He was already taken third. Like he was off at you know with the pitch. So he was he was looking to put some pressure on. Then, as soon as Hicks fielded that and was looking to throw it at first, the interesting bit is I'm not convinced Hampson was ever stopping. I know it went over the, the first baseman's head with the throw, and the throw was off. But I think that Skip Schumacher had given Hampson, Hampson the view there of, listen, go and full go. If it, if it gets down to the, you know, when it's the, the pitcher fielding it, and he's trying to throw it at first, we're, we're down by one. Go, full gasolina. And in the end, it wasn't a close play, right? But I'd be really intrigued if that throw was on target there from Jordan Hicks and Goldie fielded it. Goldie was a little bit, felt like a little bit slow to first base for some reason. I mean, maybe it was the double clutch, but I would be, I would have been really intrigued to see, was Hampson still going? I think he was. Was he going to beat it out? I think he would have done. I think irrespective of what happened there, a ground out to first base, I think Hampson would have still scored and the Marlins would have tied the game. Anyway, lo and behold, the pressure on Jordan Hicks, double clutches it. And I think where Joey Wendell is kind of running, it's taking him, you know, he was close at, at the base at that point. So Hicks tries to kind of like throw it a touch higher so he doesn't hit Wendell. Then it ends up going super high and Guriel comes around the Marlins score. Wild scenes. Wild scenes, but at the heart of this play, there's a couple of things. 
Contact hitters, balls in play. This happened all year long. Pressure on, pressure on the defense. Pressure on in tight games. It does crazy, crazy things. But also, kudos again to Skip Schumacher making the change. Hampson in for Brian Dela Cruz and being aggressive. We've talked about base running for the Marlins. I have anyway on this show, and the everydayers will will have heard that. I've been a, a touch concerned, a touch disappointed. Concerned isn't maybe the right word. Disappointed with the lack of aggressiveness with the base running. But I think yesterday there was full aggressiveness. I think Hampson had the green light to go all the way. He was already at third pretty much by by the time it was it was down. And, and Hampson was just going. It was it was happening. So kudos for Skip. Kudos for Joey Wendell getting it in play. Kudos for Jordan Hicks's noodle arm. You know, another wild one. Another comeback. Another one-run win. This Marlins team right now, they're earning their luck because of the type of baseball they're playing. They're earning this luck. But the way things are going here, they have the third best record in the NL. Yes, the Bravos have the best record, and they are going to win this division at a canter. But the Marlins have got the third best record in the NL. No, they haven't. They've got the second best record in the NL. They've got the third best record in baseball. What am I saying? I don't even know my own numbers. That's how wild this has been. Second best record. Crazy. You're Miami Marlins. What a team. And for me, it just feels like, it feels like destiny this year. And the, the biggest part too, is it feels like after all the back and forth with the Braves and whatever, I just have a sneaky feeling with this year, it's the Marlins' destiny to meet the Braves in the postseason and to beat them in the postseason. That would be absolutely wild, no doubt about it. Um, let's talk about our good friends over at Sleeper. Uh, new ads, new sponsor, new graphics, you name it. It's all new, baby. Um, but our good friends over at Sleeper, have you have, listen, have you played? Are you already downloaded this app? And are you already playing along? Uh, if not, then you're missing out, guys. If you want to 100 times your dough on daily fantasy baseball, then Sleeper is now offering up to 100x payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big time. Love to see that. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On. It's all one word, and it's all in caps. Locked On, and you'll get up to a hundred bucks match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleepers' terms of use for details. Currently operational in over thirty states. You can check out Sleeper today. All right, it's those boys at Sleeper. Let's get those picks in. And I mean, listen, looking ahead to tonight's game, you've got to be fancy in this Marlins offense just to keep it rolling. Being absolutely rolling in this series against the Cards. Let's briefly talk about the pitching. Not a takeaway from last night's win. Top win, another comebacker, puck with a blown save. But kind of takes me into the bullpen. I want to just kind of briefly touch on the pen here because Andrew Nardi's you know, gone down to the I.L., and nothing serious, just, I think, a rest. He's had to pitch so many. He had so many outings. Andrew Nardi has been so impressive. But it all stems from how the rotation and the start of the year just couldn't... It, it was a slow start. 
They had no length. Real issue with length out of the out of the rotation. Thus, the innings has just been so high, and the need, and because the Marlins are playing all these close games, and they, you know, they and they're winning the games, and so they keep kind of turning to the usual guys. Yesterday's game, I guess, was a similar situation. I've kind of got Hoeing on the rundown here as well, so let's kind of you know lean into Hoeing here a touch, then we'll get into the pen. But <coughs> Brian Hoeing, you know, spoke about it on yesterday's episode. Interested to see what kind of start we got from him. Wasn't a great start in Atlanta. The Braves' offense is dangerous, the most dangerous offense right now. But frankly, the Cardinals' offense, okay, it's not quite at the Braves' level, but it's still a good offense. So, you know, but Brian Hoeing, five earned runs, three walks um, in just three innings of work, didn't look to have it, you know, didn't look to have his best stuff. Started okay. Actually didn't, like, I think he ended up loading the bases and then got out of it. So I think it was the second inning where it went a little bit more fluid, let's say, a little bit cleaner from hoeing, um, but then walked into a ton of trouble uh, in that third. They put five up, the Cardinals there at that point. And he's out the game. George Soriano in, um, you know, gives up a, an earned run as well. Brazaban later giving up a run. AJ Puck giving up two runs to that home run from, from Jordan Walker. But, you know, the, the bullpen's been asked to do a lot. And they're mixing and matching guys. We've seen this more recently because of the Atlanta series. The bullpen is in this transition period where you've got Soriano up, uh, Brazabam was back up, Nardi's gone down, Archie Bradley was up, then he's gone back down. Like they're having to cycle arms at the moment to try and catch up from those Uri Perez, Brian Hoeing starts. And this Brian Hoeing start again doesn't help. The question's got to be around Brian Hoeing now is like what degree of confidence do the Marlins have in him moving forwards? Um, he won't be, he won't have another start. He won't have another start before the All-Star break. So that's Brian Hoeing done for the All-Star break. He's served a, a meaningful role for the Marlins, spent a ton of time in the pen, looked pretty effective, you know, had some nice outings as a starter, but more recent ones against better offenses struggling. It's clear the Marlins need to find a way to get another arm back. The question is, is where's Edward Cabrera? Where's Johnny Cueto? I spoke about Cueto last week. I thought his time with the Marlins is likely done. He's got one final start slated uh, in the next couple of days. After that point, the Marlins have to make a decision on Johnny Cueto in terms of whether they bring him back or whether they DFA him. From what we've seen thus far, I find it hard to fathom that you can bring back Johnny Cueto. <clears throat> However, with the way things have been trending with the you know, the rotation and the arms and the bullpen and whatever, I don't know. I think maybe the all-star break will kind of come at the right time so they don't have to have a knee-jerk reaction and they can kind of get the pen back to how they want it and make the right decision for themselves. But I'm just, I mean, I'm struggling to see Johnny Cueto coming back. However... Brian Hoeing, you know, it's it's a tough one. Uh, we've seen some flashes from Hoeing. We've seen nothing from Cueto this year. I'm going to be really intrigued to see the way the Marlins go with this one. But the bullpen's kind of, you know, being asked to do so much. It's been creaking a touch. Um, AJ Puck as well with a blown save yesterday. Some people saying, like, Puck stuff hasn't looked, you know, as impressive, um, you, know, in, in, you know, in the recent outings. I think that's a touch unfair. 
Um, he obviously had a blown save and and, and a loss in that um, Pirates series. What's that? That was two weeks ago. Um, or is that two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago, I think that was. Um, so he had that, you know, he gave up the three earned runs, got the last blown save, and then this was his, um, you, know, bl- you know, blown save since. So he's had six outings since that Pirate one, um, and he's only given up one hit prior to that. Obviously, a couple of hits yesterday with that Jordan Walker bomb. Um, I have absolutely no problem with Puck. Um, you know, Jordan Walker's a dangerous guy. He just walks into one there and absolutely creams it. Um, you know, but it's, can Dylan Floro continue to do what we want Dylan Floro to do? Can Tanner Scott, I must say Tanner Scott yesterday, got himself into some trouble and then he Tanner Scott, you know, we had a 2022 version of Tanner Scott in some ways yesterday. Gets a couple of runners on, then he gets the strikeouts going. He's been effective too. I think with the Marlins bullpen in general, it's just the sheer amount of lefty, these lefty arms that have been so effective. You've only really got Floro there from a righty perspective. And so I think as you look to the deadline, I do wonder if the Marlins look to try and add a, maybe even a controllable righty arm, you know, in a similar mold to like an AJ Puck, maybe, that has multiple years of control. Because Floro is a free agent, as we know. So, you know, they can look to the future as well, like they did with AJ Puck. Um, and, you know, build around those guys. You know, O'Kurt, again, another stellar outing yesterday. Chaguar, again, was was good. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So it's hard to be it's hard to be down on the pen. But there's clearly a need to add more arms into the Marlins Major League roster in general, both starting and relieving. I'd say particularly a righty reliever, I think, would be, would be interesting. Let's briefly touch on Dane Myers because... You know, me and Sean yesterday spoke about it with Dane Myers. I thought with Jonathan Davis hitting, and he has hit the IL. So, you know, emergency podcast territory, Jonathan Davis does hit the IL. I believe it's a meniscus strain, but not a tear. So to me, that sounded really positive that this could be a, after the All-Star break, JD is back in town. However, the way Dane Myers is going, who knows what role he will have left to play. And with Jazz hopefully returning at a similar time, who knows what role Jazz will play, what Dane Myers will play. But right now, Dane Myers, I mean, two for four day yesterday, um, as well as an RBI. But for me, the thing that stuck out most, I mean, it was a nice hit in the first inning, an RBI, drilled one straight, and that's where the Marlins got, got it going early on. But we we saw him in center field, and we're thinking about where's he going to play? Can he handle it at center field? It was one of the best grabs and plays that we've seen in center field all season from, the, from any Marlins center fielder. And the interesting bit was, he clattered into the wall in a very similar spot to where Jazz Chisholm Jr. clattered into the wall where he got the turf toe injury. And on the broadcast, they highlighted it. That concrete slab is now padded. Why it was never padded, who knows? But nevertheless, Dane Myers, amazing grab, clatters into the wall, comes down. You think, oh boy, he's like, looks like he's holding his shoulder, his ribs, gets up, dusts it off, let's go, which is great to see. Dane Myers can absolutely handle center field. What we're seeing with a stick looks impressive. So he's carved himself out a role through what he's done in the minor leagues. He's come straight up to the major leagues. A couple of multi-hit days, a massive grab in center field. This is huge for the Marlins to get this level of production from minor league guys, minor league rule five guys, and straight up to the big leagues contributing. This is so different to what we've seen historically. But they're finding these guys... They are delivering, which is amazing to see. 
And, you know, this offense is just rolling. It's rolling. More contact, strikeouts down, and the Marlins are just accumulating runs, which is great to see. Guys, Yuri Perez is going this evening. Uri Perez is going this evening. It's not UK-friendly, unfortunately. None of these end-of-series extravaganzas are UK-friendly. So, I mean, I had that on Tuesday for July 4th. So, you know, can't be too greedy with this. But Uri Perez going, and he is going. The Marlins have already secured the series. Uri Perez going as they look to secure a four-game sweep of the Cardinals. Oh, how times have changed. This, I mean... I don't think the Marlins have probably ever swept the Cardinals in a four-game series because they're so fundamentally sound. But if you look at the Cardinals and you look at the Marlins right now, it's just night and day. Night and day. Yes, the Cardinals' offense still looks impressive, but the Marlins are just... They're a team. They're a unit right now. They're not making tons of mistakes. They're putting pressure on clubs, and those guys are making mistakes. Very, very interesting, though, for Rudy Perez to go against another what I believe to be above-average offense. After getting absolutely blown up by the Bravos, we asked the same about Hoeing. What can Hoeing do? It was a shaky outing for Hoeing. Loaded the bases, got out of it. Clean inning, five runs. Not optimal. What can Uri Perez do? He will want to right the ship. In some ways, if things had gone well against Atlanta, he likely wouldn't have been making this start. But in many ways, I'm pleased he is because this, the Bravos game on the road... Maybe that would have been a game where you just go, do you know what? Maybe give very let's skip that one. <coughs> because at home to the cards, these are the winnable games. This is when you want Yuri Perez going, you know, and, and this he will give you a chance to win. So really intrigued to see. And then looking ahead to the weekend series, guys. I mean, this one should be an absolute stunner of a series. It really should. The Phils are just as hot as the Marlins, to be honest with you. Um, we're both 7-3 in the last 10. They're three and a half games back of the Fish right now. They're scorching. They've just um, gone into Tampa and beaten the Rays in that series. I think they've got a final game this evening. So the Phils are hot. They've really heated up since a real sluggish, slow start. But they're not making any ground on anyone. That's the problem for the Phils because both the Marlins and the Bravos trending. But... Boy, oh boy, I am really intrigued to see how full this ballpark is across the weekend and how electric it's going to be. And the question's going to be, can the Phils handle the Marlins' smoke? Can they handle the Marlins' fan base going bananas? And can they handle the voodoo magic that the Marlins seem somehow able to keep happening? It's going to be a truly stunning series. And these are the series that really count. For the Marlins... You got Sandy Alcantara going. You've got Braxton Garrett. You've got Jesus Lazardo. Probably their three main studs at this point, aside from Yuri Perez, of course. The, the pitching matchups will be fine. I think the Phillies have got their studs going. So it's going to be so, so interesting to watch. If the Marlins can win that series, I think that would be a huge boost heading into heading into the All-Star break and really put themselves in, like, position A at this point. Guys, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Um, I'll be back, of course, tomorrow. We're going to deep dive, look a bit more about this Phillies team, this roster, look ahead to the series in a bit more detail on some of the pitching matchups, um, and also recap on an early Perez start. Can he 
deliver what he has been prior to the Brave series? And can the Marlins sweep the St. Louis Cardinals in a four-game series? We'll cover all that tomorrow. I'm going to see you then.